This is WKCR. I'm Mitch Goldman. Jack DeSalvo is my guest. And we're listening to music of Ronald Shannon Jackson and the Decoding Society. Strictly off, not CD. We're in, we're in a whole other place here, the live world. 1988. All right. Oh, yeah. So we're watching the video, actually. And you're hearing the music. And it's a decent recording. This is, uh, this is Ashes, right? Yes. This song is on Red Warrior. You're well into the tour at this point. Yes. You can hear the guitars are playing in a sort of a unison, but it can only be referred to as a harmonic unison. Mm. A relative unison. Yeah. And you can, this recording is good enough, you can actually distinguish between the two bases. Oh, yeah. And they are, they're not in unison here. That's right. And Shannon's holding down a, a pretty standard beat here. A really solid groove, which he... And this is you taking the lead. saying about the focus being on the compositions he would go to this place when he was playing that was not 
Earthbound. He would, his, his consciousness would be hovering over Venus. Yes. two guys. I'm talking about Conrad Mathieu and Ramon Puzer. Either one of those guys plays too much bass all by himself. And yet together, it's just right. Did you guys, uh, and you, again, you, no. you said you never really no. talked about it. It was just you came up with the initial line and he came up with his thing? Well, we were. I was playing actually what Shannon wrote, and he right, was right, harmonizing right. above it. Wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, 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 he had some huge ears. He, he could, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Jeff, uh, he was... Yeah, I mean, you, you probably heard him play in any number of bands. He played, he's from Philadelphia, and it seemed like every every band that became sure. huge out of Philadelphia had Jeff in the band at I a mean, certain point. people have heard him play and didn't realize they heard him play. Yeah, yeah, and he, he was at the, the last couple of years of his life, I guess, up until when he passed last year, he'd been playing with Esperanza Spalding, and right. people knew him. Heard him with that and with George Duke a lot, especially for many years. 
Um, he was in the Letterman band briefly right. at one point. That's he was right. did a lot of high profile stuff. Yeah. And in all those bands, the smart ones <laughs> used him to to come up with these kind of arrangements. And exactly. he's yeah. really uh, a a vicious, vicious soloist, but also a really complete. Uh, Rhythm guitar player too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. The, uh, the the word that you use referring to this music, the joy in this music, is is so palpable. Shannon's delight in playing it, and all you guys seem like you're in that. And I got to say, also, um, by all means, you really owe it to yourself to check the YouTube and find this. It's there's four clips. About 25 minutes total out of it's about uh, 35 minutes we have in this DVD, and I would say they did a much better job than most with the audio and the video recording. Sometimes this was one of the things about this band that was not an easy band to capture, um, partly because I don't think even experienced engineers didn't have experience listening to this kind of music. It was also how we were being supplied with equipment because you know if it's a a regular jazz band you have a certain size of an amp if it's a a twin reverb or another kind of amp a similar size you can work with that but because where I mean, nobody really knew what we were going to do we're, we, I think that you know the contracts probably specified a, a certain range of amplifiers but we went from you know like a, a smaller Fender amp to we could have a huge Marshall right the next gig and to keep a consistent sound, a consistent volume, a consistent interaction of sound. Right. was a challenge. Well, also, and the stage volume could be punishing. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell us. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, we, we've often had monitors, and, and you would never hear that. Uh, often what you would hear was just Shannon or you know, just the bass or just yourself. It was never a consistent sound. But as I remember, on this particular stage, just like they captured it for the, the television station, it was, it was pretty clear. Yeah, they did a really nice job. And uh, the video capture is good, too. I mean, it's not real showy, but uh, you get the feel of a conversation happening on stage. I yes. think that's, yeah. that's rare. You know, they uh, very direct treatment which i appreciate and i and you know i definitely saw many times when uh house engineer especially if it was like a big shot who was maybe the jazz guy or whatever would be completely flummoxed by this band sure and uh it reminded me of a story you this was before you were in the band i remember a show in germany one time and uh it was a jazz promoter and he had this jazz gear and <laughs> it was we were on a bill in fact with mccoy tyner okay and the guy had like a little, you know, little cube amp kind of like bass amp, like an acoustic or that kind of thing. And we were like, you should do whatever you got to do. Go find, just get a rock and roll, right. you know, serious bass amp. He's like, oh, no, we have, you, everyone has played this. I remember the guy <laughs> was saying, and he like named all the famous yeah. upright basses. I'm who sure played they it. sounded great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember John Moody was the bass player who was a great musician. Yeah. And we talked about it. He said, well, I'm just going to, patch direct and you know whatever happens happens and and he i think he could hear with his fingers moody was just such a 
accomplished bassist and like halfway through the first song and I remember seeing Moody's looking at the amp he looks at it again and I'm standing next to the promoter and I elbowed him I said hey your bass amp just blew <laughs> and he goes you broke my bass amp <laughs> but stuff like that would happen all the time oh, I mean yeah. they're uh, I don't know if people have maybe gotten more sophisticated about this stuff now and but you said it i mean you know playing we were playing jazz venues for the most part yeah you know so they were used to a certain kind of sound <laughs> yeah another another oh was on that chicago trip remember we played a kind of a weird place i'd been there uh biddy mulligans biddy mulligans yes i had seen Gatemouth brown there <laughs> yeah. and i was like this would work for us because i tried you know some of the other places. It was a little bit out of town. It was on the north side, I remember. And uh, Shannon had a bunch of friends in Chicago. Yeah. And, oh, he was talking to a, a writer in Chicago, and he goes, yeah, how come you didn't play uh, Joe Siegel's? You know, this like the, the jazz place that all jazz musicians played. And Shannon goes, look here. If you think you're going to sit and listen to my music and have a nice steak, I will barbecue that steak in your belly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so true. Well, do you remember who who was also on the bill in Chicago? I don't. Uh, Iron Maiden. No. Yes. What? Yes. What? Yes. No. Yes. On the bill with us? Yes, at Pity Mulligan's that night. Really? Yes. Did we hear their set? A little bit. Yes. <laughs> were they? I thought they were. Weren't they a uh, big act, headline yes. act at that yeah. point? Yeah, but <laughs> they were on the bill with us. Yeah. Wow. I did not remember that. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the audience was basically males between the age of, you know, 17 and 21. That was the audience in that place. We had a, we had a huge crowd. And it was a huge crowd. And I, I remember I made a very aggressive door deal. We made a lot of money. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and I didn't tell Shannon. And if we had stiffed, we would have been in bad shape. And I told him, like, after, you know, everybody was in, I said, you know, it's a good thing. And he looked at me like, <laughs> I will kill you. <laughs> but we made out that night. I didn't realize it was thanks to Iron Maiden. But we'll take it. Take, take what you can get, man. You can take what it was. It was always... That was kind of my side of things was selling it and, you know, which there was a big education component in it, trying to help people understand what this music was. It was, uh, and it was lost on a lot of people. But we just had to, had to get it out there. That was an interesting uh, tour because we were in the van. <laughs> Hell yeah. And oh, yeah, our, we were in the I van. I think we drove from Chicago to Minneapolis. That was about eight hours. Or maybe it was to, um, in, uh, Oh, Madison. We did Madison, Madison. Wisconsin. Well, we, we started out just driving from New York straight to Chicago. Yes. I remember I did that drive yes. myself. Oh, yes. <laughs> and But I, what I remember of Wisconsin, because it was maybe January or February. It, it was February. Yeah. yeah. And it was just like fields. You know, it was farms of white yeah. For 100 miles. And then a billboard that said, eat cheese. <laughs> yeah. And then another 100 miles. And then That's another right. billboard that said, eat cheese. That's right. So you knew you were in Wisconsin. Yeah. Were you, did you go to, uh, did you go to Texas with us too? No. Oh, too bad. 
that was fun. But uh, yeah, we were. That was that was great. That was great. That tour. We played uh, the Seventh Street entry. That's right. Which in was Minneapolis, uh, part of Prince's Club. Right? Yeah. Well, he was associated with the place. I don't think he actually was a principal in it, but he had okay. come out of there. Yeah. And um, when Ramon comes on the show, Ramon, you got to come on the show. We got to tell the story about uh, going out partying with Steve McClellan and going to Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis's party. <laughs> that, that was fun. And Prince did actually invite us to come to Paisley Park. And uh, we had to get up and go the next day. So we missed out on that. Next time, I Jack. Next that. time. Yes. Next time right. we'll go to Paisley Park. I promise. Right. Won't cheat you out of that one. Should we go back to the Sala Congresova? All right. We are in Warsaw. The year is 1988. And... Uh, I'm trying to remember. I think I actually did take some notes. I think the next track is your Edith Piaf song. Okay. I believe so. Coming right up. All right. You are listening to WKCR. My name is Mitch Goldman. We call the show Deep Focus. Jack DeSalvo is my guest, and we are listening to the music of Ronald Shannon Jackson. Uh, and again, you can find this show on YouTube. Not Edith Piaf, sorry. <laughs> Was this Elders? Yes. This is Elders. This also, also on Red Warrior. Red, Red Warrior, yes.
Ronald Shannon Jackson and the Decoding Society. Um, in some ways, this band was uh, horribly under-recorded, but um, some of these live recordings that we're finding are rounding that out. YouTube is a rich source. A lot of uh, a lot of stuff that Shannon did. Uh, you also had the band Last Exit that he was part of with right, Bill yeah. Laswell and Sonny Chirac and Peter Brotzman and stuff that he did with Blood Ulmer. There's, if you look, seek and ye shall find. But also, by all means, go out and get the CDs or get the, there's music of his on iTunes. There's more and more stuff being released on iTunes. Um, this wave of energy behind his music that uh, sadly it took his death to drive it, but uh, it's being driven and... Yeah, get the stuff. Get Red Warrior that Jack DeSalvo's on. Get, I mean, he never made a bad record. All of them are interesting in various ways. And he had the parade of incredible musicians that played on those records is just stunning. All of you guys, we were talking about the bands that uh, Vernon Reed and Melvin Gibbs and Eric Person were in. But then also after you guys. Subsequent bands. James yeah. Carter, Dave Fusinski. Uh, Rob Reddy, Rob Don Reddy. Richards. Yeah, these guys Dom. are, these are yeah. massively accomplished instrumentalists, composers in their own right. And uh, even the ones that you haven't heard of in any other context are well worth listening to with this band. So Ronald Shannon Jackson CDs and commercial downloads, well worth the effort. A uh, careful scrubbing of YouTube will definitely enhance that. And... The smart listeners amongst us will find their way to the Unseen Rain label, led by uh, musician, entrepreneur, Jack DeSalvo. And you guys have some new stuff coming along? We are constantly releasing music. Uh, Started out as download only, but we're creating CDs now. Who would have thought? putting out CDs. Uh, latest releases, one that's coming out very soon is uh, Music of Bill Evans by the trombonist Pat Hall. And it's trombone and organ trio. Wow. Uh, with uh, Marvin Sewell on guitar. Yeah. And uh, uh, it's amazing, unusual interpretations of Bill Evans' music. Those guys were here Years ago on oh, yes. uh, Monday Live That's with right. me and Ethan. That's right. With uh, Melvin. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, another great release is a, a great singer, uh, Julie Lyon, playing uh, standards in really fresh, swinging interpretations. Uh, with drummer Tom Cabrera, myself on guitar. Nice. A bass player named Bobby Brennan. And the multi-instrumentalist uh, playing both trumpet and alto clarinet on wow. this, Matt Lavelle. Oh, Matt Lavelle, yeah. He's on that record. He's been on the show, too. Oh, sure. And uh, Matt is on a number of Unseen Rain records, uh, a quartet called S.O.S. Also fe- uh, features... Uh, you know, Ross, the tenor 
flute player. Ross Moshe. Oh, Ross Moshe, of oh, course. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Ross. And uh, there's a trio. Uh, should be out soon with myself and uh, Tom Cabrera and uh, Matt, with Matt playing, I think, uh, in this recording, he, he had his trumpet and flugelhorn and alto clarinet, and I'm playing uh, mostly cello. Wow, <laughs> yeah. really? Yeah. Fantastic. This recording. A little bit of guitar and mandola. And Tom Cabrera is playing mostly Middle Eastern percussion. And it's a group called Sumari, S-U-M-A-R-I. Cool. And, uh, I mean, we probably have 40 recordings available now, so it's unseenrainrecords.com. Unseenrainrecords.com. Yeah. If you're digging this music, it won't sound anything like it, but you will enjoy it. <laughs> Some of it is greatly affected by it, though. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. As are we all. <laughs> Greatly affected by it. Right. I'm curious if there are uh, f- watching this video. We're we're actually watching the video in the studio, which is a treat. Yeah. You don't need to hear to see the video. The music speaks for itself, but uh, it's definitely an added part of the experience. And you can find it, as we said on YouTube, uh, this particular concert. Let me just back up for a moment and let you know you're listening to WKCR FM New York. We call this program Deep Focus. And we have a guest talk about an artist that they have special knowledge of. And for the last six weeks or so, we're only here every other Monday, but uh, the subject has always been the same with a rotating cast of guests. We're talking about Ronald Shannon Jackson, who cast a long shadow and uh, affected a lot of people around him very profoundly. You're hearing it in the voice of Jack DeSalvo tonight. But uh, this is one of a continuing series that will continue as long as it needs to continue. A long, long time, I hope. And um, Melvin Gibbs was here two weeks ago. Eric Person was here four weeks ago. We did the memorial memorial broadcast six weeks ago. And uh, two weeks from tonight, Vernon Reed will be here. And a lot of people with a lot to say. We got, you know... It's just an added indication of what was behind this music, that all of you guys are people of uh, bold spirit, great gifts for observation and sharing the important parts. And uh, it's, there's, there's a through line there. It's very distinct. And uh, it's another part of the gift. A lot of a lot of people have been a big part of my life that I met through this music. Right. Um, I'm wondering if there are other stories that come to mind, road stories or stage stories from looking at this tour. There's there's many. Uh, one uh, comes to mind. You you had brought up earlier uh, off mic that uh, something about uh, instru- instruments being stolen. Well, we were in uh, Avignon, in the south of France, <clears throat> staying at this hotel. And uh, in the U.S., I think this place would have been called a motel, but it, right. <laughs> it's a hotel. Right. <laughs> and all of our stuff was in a van. All of our guitars and drums and everything was in a van. And uh, I had gotten a, a call, I think it was from Jeff, that, you know, the van had been broken into and stuff might be missing we have to go check and I had no idea where the van was or anything I came down to the lobby and um, 
guy at the counter, uh, we're in uh, south of France. I can speak enough French to tell him what happened and ask him where everything is. He pretended he couldn't understand a word huh. I said. Uh, and I had a very difficult time with that. Shannon walks in the door, goes up to the guy, um, you know, cusses him out beyond your wildest wow. nightmares. The guy then speaks to us in English. Oh, wow. <laughs> and tells us where everything is. Wow. Wow. That was really great. <laughs> wow. Shannon broke him down. Yes. It took about 10 seconds. Oh, my God. So was he in on this or he just knew no, these knuckleheads No, he were? must have heard a little bit more than I thought. Right. Coming right, through right. the door. He heard what I was trying to do. Yeah. Um, that was pretty amazing. You remember what Shannon said? Any of it repeatable on, Not uh, on the broadcast? Radio. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, even like, you know, a friendly conversation about breakfast could be pretty much unbroadcastable. <laughs> well, that brings up another story. When, when we were in, uh, I think, I mean, you must have been there. We were in uh, um, somewhere in Minnesota on the road. Yeah. At maybe a Denny's. Oh, yeah. And Shannon had asked for grits. Right. And, you know, probably is not that common. Right. Wherever we sure. Were. Yeah. But he demanded <laughs> grits. Uh, so he never wanted to go to like I used to like like some little out of the way mom and pop place. No. He's you know, something could go down a place like that. Just take me to McDonald's or whatever. Not that he loved the food. He just he wanted some consistency. He wanted some consistency and he had a nose for trouble, even when trouble wasn't there yeah. sometimes. Yeah. But, so, yeah, uh, Denny's, yeah, that would fit the bill. Yeah. Ironically. And, you know, they didn't know what to do, and he wouldn't take no for an answer, so they sent somebody out somewhere, and they found grits, probably wow. in a supermarket. I don't remember this at all. Yeah, and they brought it back, and they they made it, and they brought it to him, and all I remember him saying is, like, you call this grits? <laughs> 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 That's some nerve. <laughs> the man had a chutzpah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Man. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There was uh, many incidents on the road like that. Uh, you know, there was one where, uh, you know, I'm not sure that I experienced this, or Vernon Reed told me the story. If he remembers, maybe he can clarify this. I don't remember, because every time we were in a train, somewhere in Europe, you know, the, we'd have the drums on the train. Right. Ethan Singer, who's the road manager. Ethan, who uh, long-time listeners may remember, was my partner on this radio show for many years. That's right. And uh, give a little shout-out to Ethan. So people... You knew Ethan's voice on the radio, but you didn't know that uh, his other secret life. Was, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I brought him into the fold, as a matter of fact. <sighs> makes perfect sense. <laughs> now that you think he's about on, it. He's on the train with us. Yeah. And we have to get, you know, train stops. We have a lot of stuff to get off the train. Yeah, yeah. And Shannon would invariably take a nap. <laughs> and would not be that interested in waking up, even though we were at <laughs> the location. And I remember something about looking out the window 
And, you know, the, the train stops in Europe, you'd have, like, I think it was like a blue sign, the name of the city. Right. And it said Pisa. Oh, yes. Yes. And was, Shannon wouldn't get up and he said, no, man, we're going to some place with two Zs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, Melvin that might told be, that story. That, that might be a story that Vern told me. Yeah. No, <laughs> Melvin actually told that on the air. And uh, it was, uh, and Vernon was there too, for sure. But the other thing about it, what well, was, was a great story, that um, Melvin had put his base in the bathroom because it was like <laughs> the only place to put it and he yeah. figured it would be safer in there. And somebody was in the bathroom using the bathroom <laughs> you had to get while the train's in the, in the station. <laughs> and he had to get them to pass it out the window from the bathroom. Yeah. You know, oh, I, I don't think I ever did a train tour of Europe. I did van tours of Europe. And they were absolutely brutal. Because, I mean, like the, the routing was just outrageous. I remember one show in uh, Turku, Finland, and the next show was in Cologne, <laughs> which, I mean, I think... Not around the corner. No, yeah. it was like, we left after the gig, and we got there in time for sound check. It was like a 17-hour drive, and, um, but that's probably not as bad as the train. <laughs> I don't know, either. they're both bad, they're both horrible. But yeah, it was uh, the price that you guys paid um, was was it was not an easy thing to do it was not something that anybody in their right mind would do <laughs> right. for a, like a job yeah. it was uh you know it calls to mind something i heard count basie said he said they don't pay us to play you know, that we would do for nothing but like all that other stuff showing up but yeah there. i mean it was i'm sure you guys were like on fumes some of these gigs and and uh eating right and sleeping right and those things fell by the wayside a lot you know with that particular band there's there's certain things that i experienced that i would not experience otherwise um one was after leaving ostende in belgium we had to travel and that was this was after a, you know probably 20 hours of travel from somewhere in germany in belgium about to go to england no we're not going to england so we're going back to Germany, to Hamburg, and uh, we get off the train exhausted early in the morning. Now, coming out of the station in Hamburg, and there's like this kind of circular drive with taxis all parked there. And Ethan and I come out first. All the trunks of the taxis opened up. Hmm. Rest of the band comes out. Hmm. Shannon, Ramon, Jeff. Yeah. All the trunks close yeah no doubt except for one and all of us would have taken normally two cars to drive us all of us squeezed into this one ah uh, two white Taxi. guys come out and every and it's all smiles and the black guys show up and it's a whole other story that's right i remember i remember plenty of that plenty of that yeah it's something that you know that i wouldn't have seen or not noticed even if it was like you know whatever it's just yeah. the way that happened that I yeah. witnessed that. Yeah, I remember Austria, border crossings. And the borders were much more intense in Europe then. It's like there there aren't any practically now. But uh, Oh, yeah, I, I remember and with the same band walking into a, a restaurant in Basel, Switzerland. And just the look on everyone's faces. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, even like, 
you know, yeah, you'd go places. We went to some incredibly out-of-the-way places. I mean, little kids have never seen anyone that looks like this. First of all, they've never seen anyone that dresses like Shannon. Well, it, I mean, that's a big part of it, of course. But they've never, maybe they've never seen hair like that or, you know, skin like that. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, the, the parents might be doing their best not to uh, show any emotion or make anyone feel uncomfortable, but that little kid <laughs> is going to stare and point and ask questions. And... Uh, I don't know, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe some of those kids grew up to have a little broader point of view. We can only hope. Yeah, not the taxi drivers, though. <laughs> no, not so much. <laughs> not so much. Not soon enough to help you guys, that's for sure. Yeah. Sala Kongresova, we got more. All right. You are in the right place to be. You're listening to WKCR. We call the show Deep Focus. I'm Mitch Goldman. And we are putting Ronald Shannon Jackson in Deep Focus, our guest the supremely talented Jack DeSalvo, who is on all these recordings that we're listening to. And this, uh, the, the sum total of your work with Shannon that's been commercially released is essentially the album Red Warrior, which is 30-some minutes of music, I think, in its initial release. It was, uh, it was uh, LP yeah. to start. Yeah. And the CD was reissued with an additional song, which actually... Shows a whole other aspect of your work. Mm -hmm. um, one additional song, Harmelodic Christmas, came out on the reissue <laughs> on the Knitting Factory label in 1999, but it's the same Red Warrior recording from 88, 88, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, we found a bunch of other things, thanks to YouTube and various collectors, live recordings, and... I'm so happy to have it because uh, it's it's it. This is a, quite true to what the band was like on stage, and uh, oh, yeah. and there's nothing else. Nothing else sounds like this band. It's it's remarkable. Not I dare say, or after. Yeah, yeah, before or after, nobody's really. I I thought at the time that this trail was being blazed and. There'd be a stampede behind us, but that hasn't been the case, not yet, anyway. It's like a pretty unique combination of of things for yeah. that to happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the influence pervades, but uh, it doesn't sound like this. So uh, we're listening to this concert from October of 1988. It is uh, at the Sala Congresova in Warsaw, behind the Iron Curtain at the time. They made a television show from it, which has turned up on YouTube. You can find chunks of it there. But we have stuff that you won't have unless you have the DVD of the TV show, as we do. So let's go back to Sala Congresova in 1988. This is No Je Ne Regrette Rien, Yves Piaf. And that's you playing, this, playing the lead there.
Shannon with the brushwork. That's definitely not something people think of when they think of him. But he's got the feel, he's got the touch, he's got the time.
That was a surprisingly traditional approach to that song. And I was, uh, we were just observing, we, we have the advantage of seeing the video. This, by the way, I don't think this track is on the YouTube clips that are available. I might be wrong about that. No, no. But, um, There's another version, though, from, from, from Rennes on YouTube. That I've really? Seen. Wow. I, I looked. I didn't see that. I've seen it this week, I think. So it's there somewhere. Very possible. But, um, or maybe it, it could be uh, this clip that we just heard might be on YouTube. But uh, we were, I saw, I don't know if I would have quite been aware of this just listening, Shannon's playing brushes, and he switches to sticks, and then he finishes with mallets. I mean, it's a very uh, approach that a drummer would take in a nightclub behind a, oh, yeah. a torch singer. Oh, yeah. And he's got that kind of shuffle feel and... Great swing feel with the brushes. Yeah. Moving everything with the brushes. And, uh, you know, the thing that... One of the remarkable things that got me there was the... There's this kind of, you know, jazz guitar comping that was going behind the jazz guitar solo, which was really Ramon having that on bass. Yeah. Uh... Jeff is not always supremely engaged, it seems, when you're soloing. And I uh, I don't know what there is to say about that. But um, it uh, seemed like he could have uh, could have brought some more to the party for that. Sure, sure. I mean, I don't know what he was playing, um, what he was thinking. I mean, maybe he just wanted to stay out of the way and maybe... Yeah. You know, at the same time, again, I don't believe we had a chart to work on, right. a chord chart. Right. You know? Yeah. And Ramon did, the chords he was playing was by ear, you know? Yeah. The melody, melody I learned because Shannon sang it to me. Right, right. It's possible that Jeff didn't even know what the chords were, which yeah. would be quite understandable in these circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's very true. And, uh, but I mean, it doesn't sound like it's lacking for anything and, uh, Again, I'm just, it's such a delight listening to all of it. But um, one thing that keeps coming through for me is the way that Conrad and Ramon work together. Just, just fantastic. Again, there were there were no rehearsals with uh, Conrad. Right, right. He's, we got to Cologne, he was there and played with us. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's got that. He's absolutely got that thing. He's still got it. He's no longer a professional musician. He's got... Uh, here's an update for everybody who's been curious for the last 25 years. What's become of Konrad Machia? I'm going to give it to you right now. Um, he's He actually... He became kind of a pop star in Germany. This band that he was in became huge. M Walking on Water. Boys and, on the Run? Oh, there was... There was Boys in Trouble. Boys in Trouble, that's it. That was a fun band. Boys I saw that trouble. band. That was a really fun band. That was him and one other guy. Right. And it sounded like like 16 people on stage. Right. It was crazy. They were, I think that was uh, a local Cologne phenomenon. But uh, this band, M Walking on Water, was a big pop band right. throughout, right. especially in Germany. But um, And they did a reunion, I think, a year or so ago. But... In the wake of that, he started an IT company in Cologne, <laughs> and uh, that's what he does, and, you know, computers and person. stuff. He's got yeah. a few people working for him, yeah. and uh, 
still living in the same place he's been for a long, long time in Cologne. Very happy. His upright bass grandma is still in the corner of the living room, and uh, he'll walk over to her every so often, and once a month or so he'll do a gig in town. Wow. And uh, and still, I mean, the same thing, you know, I've seen him play, and he just sit in with a band that's never rehearsed, and oh, our bass player can't make it, can you come? Oh, okay. And, you know, <laughs> and he's there doing his thing. And, yeah. you know, he's just uh, got that same spirit and ability to talk through the instrument that he had then. And it's still damn impressive. But listening to it here, I mean, you guys are all operating at, uh, I am not a musician, but it seems to me at just the highest level of immediacy and... Of, you know, I mean, there's it's funny for you to say you spend more time with music than most musicians. Well, <laughs> I'm I'm, uh, I'm an experienced listener, which I think is its own set of skills and abilities oh, that you develop. And also, part of the point of this show, I'll just take a moment to say the opportunity that you have, that all of us have, to Walk out the door, especially, I mean, if you live in New York City, it's ridiculous. But wherever you are, if you look for it, you will find it. And it's fantastic. And it's, there are, I'm listening to this music, there are whole worlds unfolding. Hmm. And I don't know that you can have that experience with just any music. This isn't just (laughs) any band. This is pretty special stuff. But if you look, you will find special stuff. And more than that, if you don't look, you won't find special stuff. You kind of, a lot of this music, you have to get out there and, uh, you know, kiss a few frogs. Yeah. <laughs> and and there will be, you know, even the stinkers are interesting. And some will remain frogs and some. <laughs> and some will become, yeah, yeah, shining mighty shamans. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> get, get out the door and go be with this music. And the only way, YouTube is fantastic oh my god what would we have done if we'd had youtube we would have lost our minds we didn't this was not available to us when we were discovering music it's spectacular what you can find just about anything that you're interested in but i say that despite the fact that the really the way to hear this music is to be in the room with the musicians and the same way that we're talking about this you've got to how important is it? Let me ask let me ask you as a working musician, how important is it having an audience that's responding to what you're doing? Well, it's crucial. Um, in every performance, the audience is part of the performance. You know, the vibration in the room, the breath, uh, dare I say the applause <laughs> yeah. affects everything. I the think electricity. Nowadays we're so stuck on these little screens and these big screens, we forget that we're radiating massive amounts of energy and our attention and and the effect that has on others and it's never more true than in improvised music well as great and as wonderful as as it is to see great performances on video or recordings it's to be there in the moment when it's being created you're you're part of that it's it never feels like that you hear things that aren't there yeah, and maybe twenty five years from now, you'll have some great stories to sit around talking about. <laughs> That's right, and people might listen to you, <laughs> grandchildren on your knee, saying, "Was it really like that?" 
Yep, I was there. Only more so. Oh, yeah, you, <laughs> not really, yeah. You have no idea. You'll never know. And then there's a few stories I'm taking to the grave with. <laughs> so get out there. Buy some tickets. Go and find it. Sniff around. It's a, it's a... You are listening to a Deep Focus, originally broadcast on November 18th, 2013, in the wake of the passing of Ronald Shannon Jackson. Jack DeSalvo, my guest on this Deep Focus, was uh, obviously you, you got this far. A very important contributor to that band and this 1988 period and the music we're listening to. Uh, you know what to do. This was part one. There's only two parts this week. You just listen to part one. Part two is waiting for you. You can, well, I don't know, maybe you stumbled into this or somebody sent it to you. If so, you can find us on your favorite podcasting app. We're Deep Focus. And uh, you can always get us at the hosting app, which is mitchgoldman.podbean.com. I also, uh, I'll just let you know, a couple of people, a bunch of people have asked about searching for past shows it's not so easy to do on some of the podcasting apps uh i set something up on my personal um website mitchgoldman.com if you go to about deep focus you'll find um you read down there's a little search bar you can search and if there's a particular episode you want to find you can find it on there you can also communicate with us uh, through Instagram, follow us on Instagram. We are Deep Focus Podcast, Deep Underscore Focus Underscore Podcast, and um, yeah, find get uh, join the whole community of people there who are excited about this show, or at least listening to it, or telling me they're listening to it. I don't know. Anyway, okay. See you over at part two. It's from 2013, November 18th. Jack DeSalvo on Ronald Shannon Jackson. It's Deep Focus. <laughs>